This is Melissa, and today is the 10th of September, 2023. And for this Redux, I am going to edit together two excerpts from the first two hours of a talk that Alan gave on May the 3rd, 2020, which was about four hours in length. He titled it with a little two-line poem, We're the fodder for latest New World Order. There's a reign of terror on us all, authoritarian, sadistic, marriage of governments, corporations, sciences, fascistic. What was on my mind when I went looking for something to replay today was social media and how we are changed by what we engage in online. And as I got to looking at things, pieces of videos and reading, I thought that that might be a little bit narrow because what I was really thinking about is how our minds are shaped so easily, so quickly in the digital age. For longtime listeners, you'll remember that Alan has said a few things about not joining groups our heroes are supplied, our leaders are supplied. He talks about organizations such as the FBI in the U.S. using people. They'll find a cell uh, and they'll bust the cell and then within that you uncover quite a few agents for the bureau, whatever bureau it is that's involved. There's always agents that infiltrate, and you never know when you're going to be used. And this was one thing that Alan really stressed was, particularly for young men, but for anyone, don't let yourself be used. Um, And the easiest way not to be used is not to join a group. And in this age, groups are organized, think about flash mobs, but groups are organized digitally. How do we find out what we find out. You know, when Alan came onto the scene, he was listening, he was getting a lot of information from shortwave, and shortwave radio was how, what we think of as the alternate or the truther or the patriot movement, it, you know, and every country's got something a little bit similar, but those are the things that it's called in the U.S., and by extension, that in Canada. So these now have become mostly streaming shows. They're online. They reach people. You'll find in this world, like with everything else in the world of the alternate or the truther, that they are early adapters because they're always trying to reach the maximum audience, right? Now, they'll tell you on the face of it with the, the... The reason why they use all of the different ways of reaching an audience is because obviously they want to, quote, wake people up. But there's a lot of sales going on. Alan also always pointed out the fact that these groups, the so-called patriot business was CIA organized back during the Cold War. And he would always ask the question, or say, you know, do you think that they'll give up something that they have control of? Well, you know, obviously they don't. And it's, we've already had whistleblowers. We know 
that all of the places where the idea, the marketplace of ideas is now it's Facebook and X, which used to be Twitter and Gab and Getter and Telegram, uh, on and on and on. And then you've got all of the different comments sections where people can chat back and forth like on a video and one thing that Alan would say if if people were post reposting his work or just posting things that they thought would wake people up he would always advise keep your comments section closed and there would be criticism oh you're not for free speech and I said well no the the point is is that you have no idea who you're interacting with the the sock puppet now the bot are they live people who've got you all in a lather you're upset and you're angry you're having an emotional outburst with someone online and that someone might not be a someone now everything is not artificial intelligence because there are lots of bodies and lots of chairs all over the world and their job is not only to monitor what you're saying, what you're looking at, and how long you're looking at it, but to engage with you, to do the kind of agency sting where they've infiltrated and they're encouraging you to do or say that thing that you oughtn't to be doing or saying. So in this talk, and one of the reasons that I chose it was because Alan touched on the UK's 77th Brigade. And I wanted to just really quickly remind you of what the 77th Brigade was. This is a recent, fairly recent, it's this year, January of 2023, article in a publication that I not familiar with, but it says, UK Army spied on COVID critics. Whistleblower exposes most secretive 77th Brigade. A shadowy army unit secretly spied on British citizens who criticized the government's COVID lockdown policies, the Mail on Sunday can reveal. Military operatives in the UK's Information Warfare Brigade were part of a sinister operation that targeted politicians and high-profile journalists who raised doubts about the official pandemic response. They compiled dossiers on public figures such as ex-minister David Davis, who questioned the modeling behind the alarming death toll predictions, as well as journalists such as Peter Hitchens and Toby Young. Their dissenting views were then reported back to Number 10. That's Number 10 Downing Street, the Prime Minister. Documents obtained by the Civil Liberties Group Big Brother Watch and shared exclusively with this newspaper exposed the work of government cells such as the Counter Disinformation Unit based in the Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sport and the Rapid Response Unit in the Cabinet Office. But the most secretive is the MOD's, that's Ministry of Defense's, 77th Brigade, which deploys non-lethal engagement and legitimate non-military levers as a means to adapt behaviors of adversaries. So what I want to just interject here is that we, 
are the adversaries. So it is our behavior that they want to adapt. So let's not get that uh, confused. The war is on us. According to a whistleblower who worked for the brigade during the lockdowns, the unit strayed far beyond its remit of targeting foreign powers. They said that British citizens' social media accounts were scrutinized, a sinister activity that the Ministry of Defense in public repeatedly denied doing. Papers show the outfits were tasked with countering disinformation and harmful narratives from purported experts with civil servants and artificial intelligence deployed to scrape social media for keywords such as ventilators that would have been of interest. Now, again, long-term listeners will remember that Alan shared with us years ago the uh, this, you know, post 9/11, all of the different keywords that in your emails or your speech or your phone calls. And the list was, you know, some of these words were really quite innocuous. But that would put you on an extra eyes on you list, you know, extra scrutiny. The information was then used to orchestrate government responses to criticisms of policies such as the stay-at-home order when police were given power to issue fines and break up gatherings. It also allowed ministers to push social media platforms to remove posts and promote government-approved lines. The Army whistleblower said, It is quite obvious that our activities resulted in the monitoring of the UK population, monitoring the social media posts of ordinary, scared people. These posts did not contain information that was untrue or coordinated. It was simply fear. Last night, former Cabinet Minister Mr. Davis, a member of the Privy Council, said it's outrageous that people questioning the government's policies were subject to covert surveillance and question the waste of public money. Mail on Sunday journalist Mr. Hitchens was monitored after sharing an article based on leaked NHS papers, which claimed data used to publicly justify lockdown was incomplete. An internal rapid response unit email said Mr. Hitchens wanted to further an anti-lockdown agenda and influence the Commons vote. Writing today, Mr. Hitchens questions if he was shadow banned over his criticisms, with his views effectively censored by being downgraded in search results. Hitchens said, The most astonishing thing about the great COVID panic was how many attacks the state managed to make on basic freedoms without anyone much even caring, let alone protesting. The whistleblower from 77 Brigade, which uses both regular and reserve troops, said, I developed the impression the government were more interested in protecting the success of their policies than uncovering any potential foreign interference, and I regret that I was part of it. Frankly, the work I was doing should never have happened. Alan, in this talk, and I, I who knows if, because I'm looking at the transcript at this moment, if I'll end up uh, editing because I'm about to cut and paste and I don't know if this portion will make what I put up but he said all governments during wartime are fascistic as they call it because they appoint they go into your histories 
Britain appointed a minister who literally, a big businessman who's in charge of all economics really for industry. Canada did the same thing. That's how they do it, like a major domo. It's just appointed. What he demands, he gets very quickly, and nothing stands in the way. No regulations, rules, or constitutions, or anything else. That's how it's done. And that's why they declared this pandemic a war, or a war against the virus, you see. They use that terminology and frontline workers, you see, like the troops at the front of the trench, in the trenches, you see, the only difference is they didn't dance around in the trenches, but unless it was bullets chasing their feet. So he says in this talk, they own all the media, the cartels or the fascists, whatever you want to call them. And he's, you know, said, he's pointed this out to us over and over again. But I think what I'm left with, I was looking at a documentary that was put out in 2020. And again, like so many things that you're going to find on the big sources like Netflix or Amazon Prime or HBO or your biggies, is that you're going to get a little bit of the truth and then you get a lot that's covered up or not, you know, as Alan might say, it's it's a lie by omission. And you'll get that here. But I watched most of this the other night, and I thought that it's worth watching. It's called The Social Dilemma, and it's a 2020 docudrama. So some of it is dramatized, and then some of it is actual whistleblowers and insiders in the tech industry talking about, here. here's from Wiki, it says it examines how social media's design nurtures addiction to maximize profit and its ability to manipulate people's views, emotions, and behavior and spread conspiracy theories and disinformation. And it also examines social media's effect on mental health, in particular the mental health of adolescents and rising teen suicide. Now, obviously, you can see that there's going to be a huge spin here because what is disinformation? What is a conspiracy theory? Because what Alan talked about for years, what we have lived through, that he told us in 1998 or 2006 that we would live through, and he quoted from the dusty old books, this is going to be called a conspiracy theory. And my head is here now because you can feel it ramping up. I call it, you know, Operation COVID Act 2, but you can feel it ramping up again. This variant is just a little scarier than the last, the last one. And you just gotta get all of your boosters and be up to date. And Biden is saying, you know, I'm, I'm gonna strongly encourage everyone to be vaccinated. And schools already in the United States, and I would suspect in other parts of the world, from the elementary level up to university level, are making their own mandates for various things. You know, can't come on campus unless you're vaccinated. You've got to social distance, et cetera, et cetera. So we're here again. And people look to engage because we want to communicate, right? We want to tell people what we see, and we're hoping that we can make a difference by doing that. But our sphere of influence is probably fairly limited 
if we are being truthful, the more that you see, uh, the more that you're able to put across, the more that you will be, like Peter Hitchens was saying, shadow banned. Your searches will go down. They'll keep your numbers low. You know, who knows how many uh, videos actually get viewed, but they're going to say you got 200 views because someone looking on YouTube would rather look at the video that got 20,000 or 2 million views and then the one that got 200 views. This is just human nature. And why wouldn't they do that? You see, these are things to think about. We're in a tightly controlled system. If you look at this social dilemma video that you, you will see how tightly controlled it is. I'm also going to put up another mm, about 15 minute video that I stumbled on entitled Social Media, Why It Sickens the Self and Divides Society. And it's a well done video and the person who put it together, they, they did a nice job visually. The images that they used are compelling. But the homework that they did, the the quotes that they used throughout to support what they're saying, it's it's just good work. So I think it's worth viewing. One of the things that happened this week was that the head of the Proud Boys, Enrique Tarrio, I believe is his name, was convicted for January 6th at the Capitol and was given 22 years in prison. Now, one thing to know about Enrique Tarrio is that he was not at the Capitol on January 6th. So he's been convicted as being an organizer. And one of the things that got him convicted were online texts and things that he said in forums, but digitally. He left a digital footprint that basically said, yeah, we did that. Another thing to know about Enrique Tarrio is that he was a convicted criminal. I haven't paid much attention to him. I don't know what he was convicted of, but he was also Famously, this is well known. It was talked about for years before the January 6th event that he was an FBI informant. I'm just going to see if I can. He was convicted in 2012 for a scheme to rebrand and resell stolen diabetic test strips. Now, this is interesting to me simply because of the something that I put up a couple of weeks ago, Alan talked about the movie The Third Man and how good um, a film it was. I think it was from the late 40s, maybe 49, but artistically it's a really beautiful film. But this psychopathic character at the center of it who was looking down on the Ferris wheel and just calling these little people, they don't matter. It doesn't matter what happens to the little people. Well, he was involved in a scheme to sell a diluted, um, I don't remember now what it was, but it was some medicine that children needed and it had been diluted and he knew that and he was selling it. So here is Enrique Tarrio 
sentenced in 2012 for rebranding and reselling stolen diabetic test strips. After being charged, he cooperated with investigators and helped them prosecute more than a dozen others. He was sentenced to 30 months. He served 16 months. And then between 2012 and 2014, he was an informant to both federal and local law enforcement. Uh, Tarrio's lawyer said that Tarrio had been a prolific cooperator who had assisted the government in the investigation and prosecution of more than 12 people in cases involving anabolic steroids, gambling, human smuggling. That's about, I, I, I really don't know that much I, about him. I do know that what the facts are in his case that he wasn't at the Capitol. Someone who was at the Capitol was Joe Biggs. And Joe Biggs, he was a host on InfoWars. And he became a leading figure in the Proud Boys. And he has received 17 years in prison. And I was listening to an interview that he did recently with Alex Jones. And it, what made me sad about this, I don't know Joe Biggs. I've heard him on the air, obviously. But what made me sad in listening to him talk to Alex was how firmly they, this was about stealing elections and, and what was upcoming with the next round of elections. And I, I really felt for the man because he's a single father and he has a daughter and he's just been, you know, I'm sure he, you know, he will appeal. And who knows how long his appeal will take and if it will be successful or not. But here is a man who is now, you know, he's like 40 years old and he's facing 17 years in prison. I think his crime was touching a gate, which was caught on film, but a barricade, you know. And as he conveyed in his interview with Alex Jones, they only showed the jury that initial him touching it, and then they show the barricade going down. But he said between the the footage that they cut out shows many, many people touching that barricade, pushing on it, whatever, before it fell. But it's bringing me around to my closing point, which is Alan said, don't join, don't let yourself be used by a group, especially not for something like an election. Right? If voting made a difference, they wouldn't let us do it. And Alan had, he, he was, he, he was humble, but he also knew what his work had done. He understood the patriot and alternate, the truther. He understood the world that he entered before he entered into it. And as he's told listeners, you've heard him say this, that there, the U.S., because this was the, the, the nexus of this movement, were navel-gazing. And then he brought that out to the rest of the world. They're navel-gazing. It is politics. It is left-right politics, endlessly going round and round. He'd listened to all of them. He knew what they were on about. He knew how it worked. 
and Alan said he he knew his worth. He said, "I changed the patriot movement." They they had to start talking about other things because I was showing them an ancient agenda. And I was backing up what I was showing them with a lot of research and those dusty old books. So they had to follow what I was saying. But the clever thing about the followers is that they can manage to, all of them, I'm not pointing fingers, but the point is to get you back in the voting booth. It's to keep you voting as if that is a solution. And so... It's that they can seamlessly talk about the Club of Rome and the scam of climate change and the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset and 15-minute cities and you know it whatever is the talking point of that week or that month or that year or that era. They can seamlessly incorporate the true information that matters, that, that information that is above left-right politics. And they can weave that in and bring you back around to voting. What were these people doing at the Capitol on January 6, 2021? They were angry and upset because of the election. Because Trump was out and Biden was in. And they are still upset about that. And the media is still talking about, oh, woe is us, the the left-leaning media. Oh, woe is us. Here comes Trump again. I just saw something on the CFR publication, Foreign Affairs magazine, that one of their in-house experts was bemoaning, you know, here comes Trump again. Don't let yourself be used. Get above the fray. This knowledge needs to catapult you out of politics. There is not a political solution. So I'm. I've, that's enough for me, and I will put together oh there is one other thing though before I I said it was enough from me I read today a good article from Brandon Turbeville and I am going to post that this is dated Tuesday September 5 what just happened in Niger details analysis and solutions and this is a good article it's a little bit longer, so I'm not going to read portions of it. I won't do it justice if I didn't read the whole thing, and you can read it for yourselves. But there was a coup in late July, and Brandon does a really good job of discussing everything that happened leading up to the coup on the day of the coup, shortly afterwards, and then he breaks down all of the players who has an interest there. Regional war um, as a possibility. And then Russia, China, 
and the West, and the West would be primarily the U.S. and France, and talks about what is at stake, who benefits, what the mainstream press has to say about this, what the alternative press has to say about this, how the alternative press is missing a lot. So he's he's got a really good eagle eye on this situation. And for those of you, are, you who are interested in Brzezinski-type geopolitics and things that are going on in other parts of the world that really do affect us, they do. It just seems so far away. And then I recommend that you read this article. And one thing that that Alan mentioned in this redux I'm putting up, and again, I don't know if this will be in the, the excerpts that I tie together, but he talked about how little real journalism is left. And I, I think that Brandon Turbeville is a real journalist. And this article is worth reading if you're interested in that region. So check it out. And thank you once again. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Carrying Through the Matrix on the 3rd of May, 2020. And I hope you're all hanging in there, not hanging yourselves at the stage of the games you're all cooped up in your homes by order of our new viewers, of course, the cabal who runs the planet, because... It's astonishing when you go into the basic stuff, the very basic stuff, of course, which I've done for years and years and years, which leads you to the advanced stuff, because it's just a hub. The system is basically a hub in the middle, and uh, you find the big organizations in the, the same groups, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, CFR groups across the whole planet. And then you had the circles within circles that quickly talked about too and the, and the, and the co-mingling circles of specialized departments like the Club of Rome and the World Economic Forum, another group that set itself up uh, under private, uh, uh, public-private partnerships, they call themselves. Really interesting to go into. And I've done, I've done talks on them for, over the, diff- over the years I actually had do occasional talks on the WEF. And they have their meetings every year until you get used to hearing it if you listen to news at all. And you say, well, that's just them doing their thing. And they, they seem normal because they exist there and you've heard them so often. But don't forget that none of these groups we're talking about their own lives were elected by any of us. From the United Nations, which was also set up by the Royal Institute for International Affairs, because they set up the, the precursor of the League of Nations, and they set up the World Bank, the Bank for International Settlements, all private institutions, which we also pay into and support, and uh, uh, the IMF, all the same, all run by the same private group at the top. And their idea was to bring in a planned society. Uh, it's, it's not honest to me to even talk about it, because I've done so many talks over many years on these things, and given the histories of them too, and the characters involved at the top. But to, but now you're, you're seeing them all come out in a, in, a, in a unified thrust. It's like a it's like a front. You call it a front in the military, and you put on a unified front to your enemies. The enemies being the people of the planet, because you now are under total attack. And in order to sub, you've been ordered to submit to them completely. That's what it's really about. Under the guise of um, saving you, 
uh, even from yourselves, because you're consumers, you see, there's too many of you consuming uh, the produce of their planet, you know, the ones who decided that they, they own it, the, the better genetic types. It goes way, way back, the whole idea, and it's monotonous to me to even talk about it, as I say, but to, to even before Charles Darwin. And we had Malthus as well, of course, Thomas Malthus, and and he was one of the first ones. He's an economist originally for for England, for the for the really the the, the Bank of of England uh, that ran uh, really ran the whole of Britain and the Empire, in fact, for a long time. It was set up to do that by people who came in as merchant bankers. Then Britain still have merchant banks. St Barclays is still called a, a merchant bank. And the city of London it was the, the big territory for them. Four main banks is set up alongside their, their version of Cleopatra's Needle. They always do that. but And they have sovereignty. It's true they have sovereignty, just like Rome itself has sovereignty. And Rome also has another one that they brought from Egypt as well. And St. Peter's Square. But you also have one too in Paris. And there's other ones across the world folk don't know about. You're living through a very old agenda. And Thomas Malthus, of course, also saw himself as, a, as the budding scientists. And since Enlightenment, of course, that was the idea that science would gradually take over and logic and rationality would take over. And eventually they, they, they formed different uh, uh, sciences, or they like to call them sciences, or doctrines. Actually, initially were doctrines, and then sciences. Uh, they really rule the world and they had so many problems ruling the world before because under democracy too a lot of people to, 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 to really fight and demand democracy in fact uh, people realize that most folk in World War One, you, you always hear the, the suffragettes uh, before it even started demanding the right to vote well these were well off middle class women and many of them by the way uh, were very rich uh, the suffragette ones that you know about and they also were members of the Communist Party. Uh, they or their families were into the banking industries, most of them. And some of them even went over and lived in Russia after they blew up a few bombs in Britain. And they did build bombs. So, but at, at that time too, there was a, you know, males had all the rights, etc. No, males did not. In fact, in 1917, there was another push before the war finished as they tried to get more and more what was left of the, of the undamaged males in Britain to join up. They promised them then to give them, uh, more of them the right to vote. Before that, you couldn't vote unless you owned property, and a certain amount of property at that too. So, uh, no, the, 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 most of the, the public had uh, less rights than the, the suffragettes ended up getting, in fact. And, and that's how history is muddied. It's always muddied by special interest groups, of course. But, People fought to get rights and, and democratic rights and not to be a peon or, or, a, or a villain, as they were often called in the Middle Ages, uh, and eventually they softened it to just peasants and then just to rule folk and then just to farming people. And uh, the most important folk in the land are the ones that feed you. If you don't understand that, you're rather silly because it's vital to have food, as you're noticing now, I'm sure, as you line up in your Sovietized type systems for food. That's what you see in Britain when they when they telegraph people stuff from 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 the Soviet Union during shortages, etc. And you would see folk lining up 
uh, for hours, just like they did in Britain during World War II, but they were doing it afterwards in the 60s and 70s occasionally in different parts of the Soviet Union. And now we're doing it again, of course, because the same characters who, who gave you the experiments for, for Germany uh, is well documented by the historians for the Council on Foreign Relations that they studied Germany intensely because Germany was an experiment in social engineering and managing the public for obedience and having them cooperate in a kind of collectivist fashion. Very important if you want to rule the world. And they'd already studied, according to Carl Quigley, they'd already studied, and he's all for this, by the way, they studied the Soviet system from the beginnings, and they helped fund them too, naturally. Uh, and they, they really started them in tip because they, once again, it was a big experiment in conformity and trying to get the people to be all on board with it. And then, and then a massive, intense indoctrination for the school children. And it really worked so, so well for a, a certain amount of time at least. But so anyway, what you're living through is a repetition of the different parts, the things that they learn, those who rule the world. And there are rulers of this world. Uh, and they, they boast about it today that they own this and they own that and they own your food supplies. I, I used to give talks years ago, the 90s and early 2000 about this too, that we had about five food corporations, cartels that run the world. And uh, went through their histories and what they were up to and so on and, and how they combined together for the NAFTA agreements for Latin America and they wanted to eventually produce really all the food for the Americas and other countries too and export using modified GM, genetically modified organism type uh, grain, etc. and export it to the world and then it tied in their uh, chemical industry with them to do to produce the pesticides and herbicides, and then they put in the killer genes, of course, and you know all the groups about that who did all that, etc. It's old hat to, to some of us anyway. It's all been done pretty well, but we're going around in circles and circles and circles as they implement all the things that worked before. Getting back to Plato, Plato said that uh, that if you know the formula that made people adapt into a system, a new type of system of conformity, even to their own deprivation, uh, then uh, in rationing uh, it might be as an example. But he said that uh, you must know how the sequence of how it was instituted in the first place, uh, and step one, two, three, four, etc. And if you, if you understand that formula, it doesn't matter what age or era you live in, you can implement it again and people will, will, will respond accordingly. So here we go again. You always have fear and terror, of course. That's, that's so primal to get that across. I listened to a, a little, an old disc actually by Bill Cooper, an old talk he gave in the nineties. And he, of course, was killed, assassinated, halved in two by machine gun bullets, trying to get into his own home as he was running away with one leg. Of course, he had one leg. Their one was artificial. That was the excuse they gave. They sent an assassination squad up to kill him, and they did it. And uh, they have them in two pretty well with machine gun bullets. But this guy went through the formula, uh, how they would take over. Any, any totalitarian organization, how they would take over uh, the country and the world. And he said the first thing is you, you create a terrible, terrible fear of immediate annihilation. 
That's the first step. Then you take it from there. Step one, two, three, four. Obey, obey, conform, conform. Uh, you, you have your snitch programs because it's all tested out in the Soviet Union. Every every street had snitches paid to, to snitch and, and, and inform on everybody in the street. Every every place of, of work had someone paid to, to snitch on people. It was everywhere. And the Stasis, of course, were uh, even more excellent at, at, at the job in East Germany uh, than apparently the Soviet system. But we're seeing it all. Uh, it played out exactly the same way. You know, you know the formula, as Peter said, introduce it, and, and it's all been set to go. What got me with this one was the amazing work that had gone into preparing us for this present uh, pandemic, as they call it. I can remember doing the talks years ago, years ago, when the previous ones came out, the previous pandemics, as they call it, came out, and the SARS one came out in 2003, and then we had other ones in 2009 and 10. And each each time it came out, they immediately went into, into the same organizations, the CDC and the WHO and so on, for what to do. And, and, and once again, they throw millions and billions of all these different big pharma companies and, 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 and vaccine companies for, uh, and to try and get a vaccines for everything. Every time they try to do it. But there's so much data, so much data on, on the incredible consequences of, of these vaccines that they came out with at the time that they had to just flop them. Uh, they, they literally ditched them. Millions of dollars worth of vaccines were ditched because they were so unpredictable with the effects that they had with people and children dying and adults dying at times too. Lots of people, even with the swine flu one initially, and the old swine flu one too from the 1970s, uh, a complete fake uh, pandemic. Uh, one guy got sick in the military and uh, after getting jabs and he got sick and he collapsed. What they didn't tell you the time was that they had him marching. He'd been, he'd gone about 40 hours without sleep. They had him running in a hot, hot day. Uh, and then he collapsed and then he put it down to a, to a swine flu. Complete fake. And out of that was a, the first big kind of almost, almost a lockdown as it went to hysteria mode of how they'd have to, um, vaccinate the entire population. Uh, complete phony uh, thing altogether, just ast- astonishing. But they've never given up by it because, understand, you are in an age of what they call technocratic rule. And technocrats and experts and, and those in academia are supposed to rule us and take over from the old versions that used to uh, really organize our lives, like religion and family units and things like that. And now you have the new ones coming over on behalf of the masters at the top. This is not made up by me. People like Julian Huxley explained that he was one of them and he was a member too, founding member of Planned, Planned Parenthood with Margaret Sanger, depopulate, unfit, unhealthy, etc. The same thing that Hitler was accused of doing because he and he himself said the same thing. They got all the ideas uh, from watching Britain and the eugenics movement in Britain it all came out from Darwinism and, he, and and also he got it from the US, the Rockefeller Foundation in uh, Cold Spring Harbor uh, laboratory, massive thing to do with, uh, with trying to create uh, superior humans, etc. 
and, uh, and even, they even brought in the, the, the American Cattle Ranchers Association because they were experts in breeding cattle. They brought them on board to see if they could find ways of breeding better people. And the, the big feed, of course, was too many of the unfit were breeding. And they would eventually take down uh, the, the superior class. That's never changed for those who haven't quite figured it out yet. And so if you're not, if you don't belong to the superior class, you should be really, really worried right now. You really should be. And I really mean that. Because the whole idea of that happening it never went away. It's, it's probably hotter now than ever before. Because the Club of Rome, that, that was their big mandate too. They simply took up Thomas Malthus. His, his ideas and grab these old, old graphs that you would out, 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 uh, uh, breed yourselves according to the food supply and all the rest of it and put it on steroids with better graphs. You know, you're all going to end up, look at this, look at these spikes in these graphs. Oh, you're going to look at this. My God, you're, you're all be, by the year, by the year 2000, you'll all be standing on each other's heads. You know, that was their idea. Terror, terror, fear, fear, fear. But the Club of Rome was just one uh, special operating branch of the WEF and the big group above it, in fact, runs the whole show. The WEF, again, getting back to them, is the World Economic Forum. And they, they don't just meet every year like they announce on television. They have a massive, massive think tank workshops. And they're really a, a supranational governmental authority in every, every respect with thousands and thousands and thousands of employees and specialists all working to, to manage their world. And they even bring in people, your own politicians at times, through, again, extra governmental agencies that they create out of thin air without your approval. And then they, they, they just rubber, the, the government's end up rubber stamping uh, all these different uh, demands put out there to, to be put into law over us by these big foundations and organizations. We used to call... And this is the, the, the difference to children today have no idea what communism is. They think it's a good idea. They, they've been brainwashed in school by the communists and uh, the communist academics who are awfully well paid to do so. And each thing I'm mentioning so casually is a whole, a whole history by itself, even that little bit I just said there. How did those uh, people in academia get there in the first place and who put them there and what, you know, what kind of salaries they got and, the annual meetings they had to make sure that they were indoctrinating the children properly and social engineering. And so that what you have 20 years later is the infighting between different groups that they were created inside the universities. Those people grow up and have children of their own. And then you bring, then you see the chaos being formed out in front of you as the parents think it's their own ideas that they're putting across and bringing into being. But they've all been indoctrinated into them. And they have no, it really works awfully well. The, the beauty of brainwashing, real true brainwashing, is that those who are brainwashed don't know it. That, that's really successful brainwashing. Uh, that came out even with uh, FDR's wife. Went over to, to see uh, the Russians, you know, at the end of World War II. Uh, and just before it ended actually, but, um, and then afterwards, and she wrote about it, that she eventually got to meet her hero, Pavlov. You know, the, the great Pavlov, uh, who who came out with conditioned responses and so on, and animals, and tortured all kinds of animals. But he also used it on humans, for those who don't know that. So it wasn't just animals he was playing with. 
They had lots of humans to practice on because they were counter-revolutionaries. If you had any idea, any exclamation out of your mouth at all, uh, they didn't like the right system, then they grabbed you as a criminal and a counter-revolutionary. You had no rights then, you see. A, a normal prisoner, of a, th- a thief, would have some rights. You wouldn't have any rights under kind of War Measures Acts and so on. And, and obviously you were mentally ill too because... If you complain about the Soviet Union, this utopia, you obviously were mentally ill. There was the best system in the world, and that literally was an illness. So, this has all been done before. But, but, um, Pavlov, literally, uh, all his techniques were put into teaching these children in school that they're now using in the West today. You know, that involved the, the type of group teaching, group think. Where they all sit in a group and the teacher has her toolkits and she knows how to put across any topic and subject and then get their opinions on it and have them all voting collectively together in unison. Anyone who doesn't is, is really shunned. Well, there's something wrong with you. Why don't you want to be part of the group? Do you think it's proper this decision we've made on whatever, whatever social aspect that they've been brainwashed into? And that's, that all came from the early days and with Pavlov as an example. As you just hear now. Uh, conformity, you see, conformity. And Eleanor Roosevelt was just over the moon with this guy and the work that he'd done. He's the same guy. He just, as I say, he, he, he would have dogs literally breaking up and cracking up with neurosis and living in utter terror, totally destroyed the psyches and the animals. And, and they, they were, it didn't end there. They, they went even further. I, I, I wouldn't even, I used to, I still have the documentaries that were put out for the West to see how wonderful the Soviet Union was, but 19, late 20s. And they showed you uh, dogs' heads that had been cut off, literally. And they had literally put up artificial hearts to pump blood through the, the arteries and bring them back through the veins and so on. And, uh, yeah, the, the, isn't, wasn't it wonderful? Here's this dog's eyes opening again, isn't it? It's being stimulated, or given little shocks and all the rest of it. And uh, this is where science goes, you understand, when you break any taboo of, of human, humans, like, like Julian Huxley said, humans standing on a pedestal thinking they're so superior above everything. We have to knock them off that pedestal, he says. Well, you destroy the family unit, you destroy religion, and there's nothing left but cold, hard science. And science is completely politicized in all ages, you can't have it any other way. It's corrupt and politicized, and um, and you end up with horror because then there's no real, well, there's no firewalls at all, is there, to stop you coming through and just killing who they want to kill or destroy or aborting or and even killing after birth, etc. It's all in the, out in the open today, and it never stops there. Whatever is pushed, well, let's just start with um, with uh, early early abortions, basically. And, and then, then you, you push it and push it. And then you go on. Oh, you know, the elderly are taking up space here and, and you've paid all this money into insurance all their lives. Why let them collect? Why don't you just kill them off? Persuade them to die and take this, this, this injection or this pill or whatever whatever this is the cheapest for them. And, and you can keep that money and use it in other projects, you see. Because everyone alive, and underneath, the, you know, the all-seeing eye at the very top there, and that little capstone that's floating above all of you, 
it's not quite attached to you. It's always floating above you. That's the idea of it. You see, it's much, it's way superior. It's not huge. It's just, it's not base like you are. The, the, the bottom part is called the base for a reason. You see, that's what you are. It floats above you and you have to have a useful function to them. You see, you're utilitarian. And if you don't have that, then you're, you're just a burden to them. And even if you're not really a burden in such a sense, you're still consuming the world's goods and, and the world's produce and food and so on. And, and even the space that you take up, you see, they, 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 they feel disgusted at you for even using that space. It's theirs, you understand. And they have this vision at the top, all the biggies that they've brought out. They're all front people, mind you. But there's people even above them that you'll never even hear of that are even far, far richer. But you know the ones I'm talking about? They're all made into these kind of superstars with, with, with repetitive exposés of how brainy they are and how clever they are and all that and rubbish. You see, they're front people, folks, because their whole thing is, is, is to really to manage systems under, under a, a singular type of control, a small type of control. Systems is what it is, you see. And so they give you one just for the internet, one for the, for Facebook, and one for this, and one for that, you see. And, and it's much easier if they say, well, it's, it's mine, it's my business, I'll do what I want with it. Whereas if it's really, uh, which they are, public-private corporations, and it's, because it takes so much money from the public, even their startup money, uh, then, um, You'd have to have public input to it, so you, you must disguise it uh, as just be being owned by a singular person, and it's theirs, and it's their, their, their business, yada, yada, yada. The CIA created most of these big organizations, for those who don't know it. The CIA is not what you think it is either. Never was. Never was never intended to be what you thought it was. Every country that's used, going way back, even into the British Empire, it was run by a clique of people who can move. They can move around the world and take their wealth with them. That's what happened in, in the Middle Ages and before that, even in ancient Rome. Uh, they can move out with the cash and everything else and their systems of controlling it all. And once they've gone, it collapses behind them, you see. And bingo, you, 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 there's never really a, they say nature abhors a vacuum. And sure enough, as, as soon as it moves, uh, you, you just see some, some other a group just starting up somewhere else, just spontaneously with the same system and the same money and the same techniques of ruling and, and getting folk in the organized regular armies and then using it for, con for conquest. Same thing over and over again. That didn't happen by itself. Doesn't happen by itself. Not at all. And here you are today with the same thing. So you have the CIA and MI6 and so on. And MI6 really was a, a technique of destabilizing countries the same way in order for the, for the banking elite in Britain, the fraternity, uh, to rule the, the world. The same merchant banking fraternities hasn't changed today, still the same. And, and a, a bunch of them too also came to America and did the same thing there. It's not miraculous, it's not really hidden anymore. And it's definitely traceable, you know. But they don't see you, even the CIA. Forget all the propaganda movies, you see. The CIA wasn't started up to defend America. It was, it was there to defend and, and really destroy the enemies of their system, the ones who ruled America, the moneyed group, and to take over parts of the world and even bring in a world-type system. And once they did that, they'd shed the U.S., 
as they'd shed countries before them. Uh, and that's what they've been doing for ever since. Uh, that's, why do you think, why do you think <laughs> this big, like, again, this is called this big all seeing eye that floats above the light, you know, in between the you, the base, you're the base and, and, and themselves. And it's a blinding light, so you're not supposed to see who's there, you see, that's the idea behind it. It's all symbology. You don't realize that, that, you're trained down below in the base only to see your side of the base. If you're not caught up, if you're on the one side of it, it's four square, right? Except for the bottom, it's really five. And if the cap's gone, it's actually six. But regardless, if, regardless of what side or part you're on, you only see your part of it. And that's what you're supposed to see. That's your degree type system for those who don't know. And on the dollar bill, of course, you see all this, this wasteland down below, uh, like sparse grass growing up. Again, that's the real stragglers down below that they don't even get a function inside the base. They're, they're the, the kind of, um, the fallout, you might say, that you'd see in the brave new world once you let the savages, you see, the weeds, the ones that are just useless. And that's the general population. <laughs> that's what they claim it is. Anyway. The ones in the base are all there for a function to keep the system going. But we're, we're living in it. And you, you look at the ones at the top, uh, how they all work together in unison. You go into the World Economic Forum and every organization you know is part of it. Everyone, you know, the, the World Bank is there, of course. And uh, the IMF, the Bank for International Settlements that decides the value of any particular day of the currency of any particular country. And uh, privately owned again, all by it's a small club that owns all the banks for the world, and they're privately owned. And going way back into Lord Alfred Milner's day, they, they set up the the beginnings of that system based on the, the British Empire system of the Bank of England, and, and, along with the, the private banks and that they had then too. So. Y- y- as I say, they use your country for its tax base, for the taxes they can pay for their, for the, for the wars. Uh, they can pay for, for the equipment and pay to get your, an army together. You pay for everything yourself. And you fight their battles for them and you do their conquests for them. And they, they take over the resources for themselves. And uh, I'll give you an example of what happened even in the last bank crash, if you remember. A whole bunch of the, the car companies were bailed out. I think it was at Ford or was it Ford or it was one of them, big one. They was given a big bailout and then immediately closed down, went off to, to start building up an art company in Russia at the time. There was a stink broke out about it and they pulled a, a bit of it back. But this is the kind of thing that you understand it's the same with the group that rule the world. Uh, they use countries and they'll, 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 once you're, you're dried out and they've sucked you dry, they'll just ditch you. It's an ongoing process. But we've never lived in such an age of deception as we do today. We're trained into deception. I used to give talks about what the military is. And the military are guys in a peacetime army. Uh, if you're not called up, you see, and your country isn't under attack, you're, you're basically a mercenary, you see. And yeah, there are special active groups that are sent abroad to do certain things too. And at one time during the Cold War, it seemed more, more, uh, okay to do so, such things because all the countries involved, it was only two sides at that time. 
we didn't get the whole picture at all, naturally, of what was behind it. We didn't even know that uh, at the very top, uh, the same group that ruled our own countries was, had obviously helped create and finance the Soviet Union from its, from its birth. And right through it until the end, in fact, we fed them. But at the time, people didn't know that, and so they were sent off to do certain missions and so on. But most folk, as I say, in a standing, a standing army, are superfluous unless you use them, because it costs money and to keep them equipped and, and, and prepared in readiness. And so the temptation is always there for the elite of the country to end up using them for, for their own escapades to take resources across the world. And that's exactly what's been happening for since World War II, especially with the, with the U.S. Britain was too broke to do it. They'd already spent about two centuries building up an empire on behalf of a small elite. And, uh, of course, the public were left devastated. The country's never really, really... I, I used to wonder, uh, do you realize how far advanced we'd be if you had a real system in a real world, how far you'd be financially, uh, health-wise, all the, other, all the other real scientists to help improve your lot, you know, and food and all the rest of it, and healthier way of living. Do you realize how far we could be? But we've been kept back with the massive debts from world wars, as an example. Massive. Never, you can't really pay them off. It might take 100, 150 years for each one because it's compound interest. In the previous pandemics, when they went through the same kind of scenarios, oh, you're all going to die. It's going to kill millions, yada, yada, yada. And they had all these approved um, through, the, through their communist type totalitarian. They worked very well together, remember, the communists, with, with uh, fascism, because they believed in the same agenda. Really, and that's what Quigley said himself. He says, we're often mistaken for communists because we have the same agenda. Uh, and that's what he said in his own book. And so they can get things redone really fast and quick and terrify you. And I, they own all the media, the cartels or the fascists. Quigley himself, Professor Carl Quigley, who was the, and it's, I say it so, when you say things rather easily, people miss it. Uh, they, they, they want, they're being brought up, you see, again, you don't realize you've been brainwashed with TV and drama and movies. And there should be music on bum, 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 and all that kind of thing, you see, to make it really horrific and get their blood going, your blood pressure up, your heart beating and pounding. And, and, and you've been trained that way, I'm not kidding you. And, and so you could hear that the most horrible things said today, without the music and without the flashing lights or, or menacing figures, and it doesn't, you won't comprehend what it was. You, you just dismiss what's being said. But Carl quickly went, went through it all, the whole agenda of where they want to take the world. And as I say, he said he agreed with it. And he said the world is being set up. This is in Tragedy and Hope, his book. This is to be a new feudal system. I gave the talks on this years ago, over and over. A new feudal system, he said, kind of like the, the Middle Ages, you see, and it was not democratic. And he said that the new feudal overlords will be the CEOs of international corporations, big corporations. And that's what you've got. Now, he, he didn't make it up, and, and he, he worked for the, for the biggest group behind all of this. They're, they were called the establishment at the time, and uh, they're not really the elite rulers, but they, they rule on behalf of the rulers, put it that way. 
and that's the Council on Foreign Relations. And it's another specialised branch that comes out of them is the Trilateral Group, the Trilateral Commission, they call themselves, who get in to get the job done when democracy stands in the way. So, yeah, you said that that's going to be the new fuel system. Well, you're in it. You're actually in it, folks. And, uh, and it's going to the next step now of making you simply comply. And the last few pandemics, if you all flattened their face, they got exposed. And even the regular media had to admit it eventually, but they tried to save some credibility. And they, they joined in on the act of pointing out the facts that have been that always come out from the conspiracy theorists first because they're the only guys who are giving you any truth. Uh, same thing happened this time too, of course, with uh, uh, with um, the people seeing what was going to happen. And eventually, the, the, when the media, look, a button was pressed for some big top conference and the, the barons told their staff, get on, get going with this thing, terrify the public. And they terrified them, better than any conspiracy theorists could have ever done. Because the first thing you must do is get terrify the people into total panic mode, like Bill Cooper said. That's the first thing. And, and they start to they immediately come out, like 9-11, the same thing. The man in the street and the woman in the streets asked when, in every country, the selected ones naturally, probably all planted there for television, would you give up, give up your freedom for security? And they had polls on it. It was, in, it was so monotonous. You heard it everywhere you, everywhere you, every radio, every TV station at the time. Yada, 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 newspaper, would you give up your freedoms for security? And the same thing happens again. It's always the same thing. And you must acquiesce to it, you see. And, and that's, that's really silence that's giving permission. You're acquiescing, you see. Your silence alone. Or just your compliance. That's, that's a legal thing, you see. And it won't stop. It never stops. So yeah, yeah, for the first time in history, they managed, they managed... To, to terrify them so well this time, they gave a 10-year gap from the last time. I wonder about that, too. Uh, I've said it before, like last week, too, I think I mentioned World War One to World War Two. They gave about a 20-year, uh, just to raise another crop of people, another naive bunch of guys, you know, to go off for World War Two. About a 20-year gap. Uh, fresh, didn't know the, the, the history of the first one and the way they went again. And that's what they do. Well, the pandemic, the, the fake pandemic of 2009-10. And so they give you really a, a 10-year gap because it fell so badly on its face and did a lot of damage uh, that you give a 10-year period, put stacks of movies, show them these, these, all these, these outside inflatable tents and so on and, and people in hazmat suits and make it entertaining but terrify them in the movies. Stacks of them in a 10 year period. And then they come out supposedly with the real thing. And this time they, they went right on board with it. It didn't matter what, what newspaper you'd look at or, or news site you looked at. They're all the same. Now, in a truly free society, you would have a few, and if they're all different, independent in news sites, newspapers, sometimes they have so-called established ones, the ones owned by the big media barns, you know, official media barns and conglomerates, you have had a lot of difference in stories and opinions and views on it, obviously, and it didn't happen. They're all the same, identical. And it's gone that way to the present. And then they came in with the war, propaganda, frontline troops. And then you see choreographed nurses, or if they even, I don't know if they're nurses, they brought them in. 
doing these 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 managed dances, etc. They didn't look terribly overworked to me or lethargic. And believe you me, if if you're in a situation of, of mass deaths, uh, you you would not be in the mood for dancing, really, because you, you're going to be affected more than most folk, especially the young people who are who are working in it. You're not going to go out there and start dancing and kicking up your heels. And it's all fun, especially when you're worked off your feet, supposedly. But really, people like me are so used to seeing deception being used in big, big media. I can remember 9-11 when they, when they showed you the protests, supposedly in Iraq and different, different countries uh, against America, you see. As they're trying to get up the, the angst against Iraq, that had nothing to do with 9-11. And they've used the same kind of caption and photographs against Syria recently. But, but they, they used these big meetings. You saw these people that shaking their fists. It was from India and, and, and Pakistan. You, you see the flags in the background. Doesn't, see, truth doesn't matter to those in the top. They just want to get the impression across on behalf of their masters to get an opinion so that you'll be against whoever's protesting your country. <laughs> It's, it's really, and they use the same thing using a, a ward in Italy that was re really under a pandemic, and and they used the same photograph for one in New York. That was disgusting. You can't get any lower than that. So before this hour is up, this first hour, I'll just remind you that, as I've said before, you'll be lucky to fight back using their battlefield of terminology and the sciences, however pretentious a lot of it actually seems to be at times according to previous pandemics and the aftermath of them. Same formula, only this time they've given 10 years as I say and massive unified sworn oaths to be on board together. Does I mean, They've sworn oaths on this as, as you do in a war against the people. Just like weapons of mass destruction. I can remember too, during Bush Jr.'s time, where he said if the public ever found out what we'd done, he says they'll chase us down the street with ropes in their hands. That's how it's done. They swear, because otherwise you, 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 you swear together to stand by the true fasci. That's what you see on either side of the congressional hall in the US is the fasci on either side, the bundle of sticks with axe in the middle. You all stick together, and the people think it's, a, it's really, we're all sticking. No, it's just them. <laughs> it's those who also belong to another society that run your governments. Going way back from its foundation. And, uh, yeah, you, you, that's what you do. You're stronger together, you're bound together, but you're sworn together under oath. And that's how they do it. Weapons of mass destruction, weapons of mass destruction. No matter who was asked for interviews, they always parted the same slogans like parrots. And that's good enough, supposedly, for for the public. Same thing this time, too. And you're all going to die, you're all going to die, you're all going to die, unless, unless, unless. And uh, same kind of thing. And give up all your rights and freedoms and do what you're told and obey to keep safe. And we might have to, to use force on you to keep you safe. There you go. And it's also a, a big psychological operation. I, I've lost, I've got stacks of information 
on the behavioral teams that are all working with governments across the world and they're working with each other across the world. There's thousands of them, by the way, the actual behaviorists. And they, they in turn oversee, uh, like, like Brigade, the 77 Brigade in Britain, which is, I mentioned that months and months ago in the last year too. Uh, and the years before that, they set up a big unit in Britain of cyber warfare to go after people and, and, and uh, destroy their websites, destroy their talks, destroy everything they put out there, and even put up uh, attacks against them and all kind of like, for all the old stuff, liable people and so on, to get them off and give them a hard time, turn different groups against each other, etc. So this is cyber warfare, a literal, and they call it the 77th in Britain. Well, they're at it again, and they, they oversee a lot of the, the Behavior Insights teams working with them, and they instruct all their, their attack warriors, uh, and have thousands, and have called up thousands in reserve across the world to go after anybody not parroting the, the, the authorized version of all of this. And uh, against the first time against the internet completely, you know, it's so unified, uh, warf- unified warfare against all those on the internet who won't go along with this. It's the first time they've managed it so completely and your tax money is paying to, for your own destruction. That's <laughs> not wonderful as we buy our chains over and over and over. Eh? Quite something. But the public don't know, most of them. And you have to forget that too, forget them to an extent, because it's not the general public you're going after. Most of the public that sit and watch TV every day were gone before all this started. Uh, they'll always take the, I, I, did, I gave talks on this from studies, from the big boys themselves, they're always studying us. And they admitted years ago that they had no problem with the general population and that the percentage is done pretty accurately, who would obey if anything happened and so on. And, and how and how to even get the public that were that were dithering on the edges or something uh, to to just tip over onto onto the side that they wanted you to go to, uh, and how to do it according to the profiles that you have and all the rest of it, and how to feed stuff to you that you think was coming from real people, etc. And so you know, like independent people, it, it, this is total warfare. This is the stuff that, that Snowden talked about, and before him, you, you had um, Assange, who's still locked up, because there's no way, no way they're going to allow they ever wanted to, the, the internet to have, give freedoms to the public. Do you know how hard it would be for them in their technocratic dreams, just to order folk around when folk really believed that freedom of speech? It, it wouldn't be too easy. So you must unify opinion. Standard, you make it all standardized opinions, you see. And that you create consent to be ruled. And there, I went through the, the talks years ago on the creation of consent. And how Bernays came out with it too, and then the Frankfurt School and different groups came out with it. And how you, and it's all used today in the higher echelons of governance, as they call it. And it's taught in university how you manufacture consent. You're going to die. You're going to die. And they aim it at different genders too. And they have other ones aimed at children. So that even the children will nag their parents into complying and go along with things. Or even turn, become snitches against their parents. Just like the, the communists did uh, with uh, the Young Communist League. And, and uh, the Hitler youth too used them. Uh, that always happens when you're training a new, a new generation to grow up to be ultra, ultra. Uh, fascist or fascistic, as you call it. 
You must always get the children on your side and make them. And look at look at the Antifa movement during all this too. Do you think how come they're on board with bringing all the same agendas in for sustainability, no meat eating, a reduced diet, etc. Yeah, yeah, and destruction of any kind of industry. The same things as the WEF been promoting too. And why would the WEF, the World Economic Forum, with all the big big businesses? And I gave talks. 20 years ago because they were the ones then promoting sustainability not the ones at the bottom grassroots why would the biggest oil companies be promoting this too etc you start putting things together and of course all the big uh, Microsoft and IBM and all the rest are all on board with it too Strange thing that you, you, you just, as I say, it's just like that when you become a multi-billionaire, you, you suddenly become a philanthropist. It's, you just wake up one morning and, and you see everything exactly the same way as Bill Gates and, and all the other ones, uh, the, the big philanthropists and old Rockefeller used to have. And you just, it just hits you and you're on board with the exact same agenda. Depopulation, abortion across the planet, you know, sterilization, etc., through foodstuffs and all that. And, uh, it just, it's one of these, it's just a consequence of evolution, they'll say, for economic evolution. It just, that's, it just hits you that, and you want to, under helping people, you really want to, as I say, lower the, the population and, and have them obey you and, and yada yada, and not breed at all, you see. Now, I want to read a, a few articles here, just to show you this has happened before. And I'll preface it too by saying that anybody who goes against the stream, as you know, is in real time getting pulled off the net and off YouTube and everything else. Because you're not authorized to say anything at all. Anything at all. You could, you could repeat the, all the, the, the stuff that they're putting out for you to do. Keep, keep locked down, keep safe, keep blah, blah, blah. That, that's fine. But if you say anything different, any opinion, you'll get pulled. This is, this is complete tyranny. This is, this is real authoritarian tyranny, folks. And it, it won't go away. If you allow something this to happen, it will never ever go away. Now, during their, their, their pandemic exercise, the tabletop exercises, like to call it, and not just the Rockefeller one, 2010, but also the one exercise too, the, the one at Johns Hopkins University. They had the same bunch in from Rockefellers there too, by the way, I do believe. And they also had uh, Bill Gates, Bill and Gates Foundation members there as well, and uh, the CDC people who participated too, top for all. All the ones that eventually came out, all two partners, exercises, of what would happen, but they went through it, and I put the links up to to their site, and you can download their talks and so on, as they went through that exercise, right down to steps they would take to, to, to curtail any opposing opinions, and they'd have different phases and stages of it too, right down to, uh, uh, again, stopping any financing to anybody, making it impossible to live, uh, and then charging them with putting out disinformation, and imprisoning people too. This is all done in exercise. Well, there's nothing democratic about it. So you see, where's the law has been written down here? Uh, what's been shown to the public before it gets passed through for bills and so on? Because anything that's put, even in the so-called <laughs> pretense democratic nations, that you're supposed to see the bills and have your inputs and, and complain to any politician, supposedly. Uh, before it proceeds to the next level. Well, they haven't done any of this with any of this stuff at all. This is total tyranny. 
and they're using a pretense of like a wartime measure. Well, no one has invaded us or attacked us. War is for war, you know. Pandemics and dealing with pandemics is a different kettle of fish altogether. And what they're bringing in is a whole new, a new, whole new way of life. They actually say that as a WEF, some of the, some of the, the characters at the WEF, they say that a new way of living is on their website. And in all the different green organizations that are funded by the big foundations that also run the WEF are saying the same thing, a new way of life, a new way of living has to come out of this. And they're an entirely new way. They're talking about, no, it's not democratic anymore. You'll do, this is technocracy. You'll do what you're told by experts. You'll obey them and whatever they tell you to do. And there'll be different divisions. Healthcare is one of them. Uh, you must obey, 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 or else. This is complete tyranny. Uh, it's a tyranny that Bertrand Russell dreamed of having because he, he wanted this. And he said, if there's going to be a tyranny, I, I would much prefer it to be and I hope it to be a, a scientific tyranny, he said. And it said it will be uh, one of the worst tyrannies that ever existed if it's scientific. And here you are. They're just getting warmed up right now. And they were prepared for this long before uh, for folk protesting. And I, I really mean this. I, I've watched them collapse with about three pandemics in the past. And really, you know, have to hide in their holes for a little while. But this, with this one here, this is, they're at war with the world. All these different authoritarian agencies that you don't vote for, they're all appointed. Many of them are privately owned, by the way. I've always been against government farming out any of its responsibilities to private companies. And then you train them, the, the children. Well, these are, these are, Bona fide, bona fide idiot agencies, you know, they're, no, they're not, they're, they're not government agencies, they're private agencies. Private. That's quite something. But here we're going through it all, and I want to touch on a few things here. Generally, I race through a lot of material, and I remember I put the, and I, I gotta remember, mind you all too, that you should, as always, and if you haven't done it so far, do it, because they are pulling people off fast now. It's total war against the public, and by the fascistic overrulers, your overlords who are in control, and they mean business. So remember, enlist all the official sites I have at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Look up the sites I have. There's a bunch of them listed on that site. And make note of them. So if you never hear from me again, hopefully I'll be on one of the other ones and, and, uh, and the, the alternate sites as well. Uh, you, you already know where, where to find them and so on. Because it really mean business. And the next step, of course, will be more vicious. Because they really mean, but they're at war. They're at war. They're at war with the general population that still thinks that they have rights and that they, they've got democracy. Total war on behalf of their masters above them uh, that literally own the planet as far as they're concerned. And that's what it is too. Now I'll touch on a few things here. But before I touch on them too, I should really remind myself as well. Remember, you can send a few bucks my way, hopefully, and keep me ticking over because, uh, say, my websites are used massively. You wouldn't believe it. 
don't believe what you read or, or you see. I've been shadow banned for years and they've fudged the figures massively too for years and years and years. Don't believe that because the biggest ones of all out there use the sites all the time that I've got for the information that's unknown. And uh, uh, it's, it's a trove of uh, information down there, believe you me. So you, you send a few bucks my way, you can see how you do it, cutting through matrix.com, and you, you can help me tick along here, hopefully, because we're all suffering, we're all suffering as we go through this nonsense of the complete destruction of economy, which is intended to bring in the new system, right? A whole new way of living and austerity. I gave the talks on austerity quite a few years back. I was the only person doing them from the United Nations and all the other organizations affiliated with them as they would bring in austerity to the, to the people. And just the only problem they had is how to make it happen. Do you bring it in? Well, here, bingo, here you go. This was one of them and they chose that one. That's the easiest way to do it. This I mentioned before is an article, the start of an article put out by John Pilger. Now, John Pilger has been a lefty, far left, I suppose, um, a real journalist, a real journalist still, for years and years, his whole life, and travelled the world, went to the hot spots where wars were, and risked his life along the way too, so he had guts, you know. He, he always goes to the far, far side of everything, so a lot of people can't really uh, listen too much of him. But regardless, he documents the big businesses, the big businesses that use the third world for, for their, for incredible profits using cheap, cheap, cheap labor and resources, etc. Nothing has really changed except they made China, the big major domo, uh, deliberately and we set China up. It did not set itself up, folks. But he, he mentions a lot of good stuff too. Um, and this is one thing that always stuck with me. He says that the new propaganda is liberal and the new slavery is digital. And he said, what is modern propaganda? For many, it is the lies of a totalitarian state. In the 1970s, I met Lenny Riefenstahl. And I mentioned this before. This is very impressive. And her life story is pretty impressive too. Uh, Lenny Riefenstahl, and asked her about her epic films that glorified the Nazis. She was hired to do uh, propaganda, really uh, very unique and ahead of its time, filming propaganda, uh, using all the techniques that that, um, were available to her at that time in the 1930s. And it was revolutionary in a sense, the way it was done. It says it here, to using revolutionary camera and lighting techniques, she produced a documentary form that mesmerized the Germans. It was called the Triumph of the Will. And it cast Hitler's spell over the people, basically. But he, he met Lenny Riefenstahl and asked about that. You shouldn't just judge people without asking to try to find out what was going on in their heads and, and in their lives and everybody's lives around them. That's how you learn. If, if you're already got a brick wall against you, you'll never learn anything at all. And you're, you're, you're biased already. But she told me that, and I guess she was pretty typical of many people, of any, any country, by the way. This is, this is a lesson that I'm trying to get across here. So Lenny says, she told me that the messages of her films were dependent not on orders from above, 
but on the submissive void of the German public, meaning at that time, a submissive void. Did that include the liberal educated bourgeoisie? Everyone, she said. So a submissive void, you see. No one was speaking out or fighting back about anything. Well, what are you seeing today, folks? If you do speak up, man, you get hammered. But during the time of Germany at the time, Germany had been hammered since World War I. Hammered and hammered and hammered. And it was supposed to be paying reparations for the cost of the entire World War I to every country that participated in it pretty well. And they were, and they had uh, the Great Depression and, and they had, uh, complete hyperinflation and horror show. And at the same time you had the communists that already got the Russia massively infiltrated uh, and organized. That was the first thing, first thing you hear with, with communism was organize, organize, organize. And it organized tremendously and they tried to have uh, takeovers and revolutions within Germany. And been, uh, the, the Nazi party would never have arisen if it wasn't for the, the reparations and starvation level that was for most of the Germans. And and the fact that the communists were were making the situation worse. The communists believe it makes things worse and worse until people have a, a, a revolution, they're ready for it, and then you lead them and then you get what you want by using them. So the Nazis were having pitched battles in the streets with them. And that, that otherwise there would have been no Hitler at all. There'd be no need for someone to start come on be the strong man, the leader, as the Fuhrer is called the, the leader. There'd be no need for him, and nobody would have followed someone under any other circumstances like that. But, but there again, so they're beaten down, right? And even the middle classes and the educated, well-educated classes, the professional classes, right? Uh, that, that's what it says. It wasn't from orders, weren't dependent on orders from above being telling them what to do, but in the submissive void of the German public. Did that include the liberally educated bourgeoisie? Everyone, she said. And he goes on to say that today we prefer to believe that there is no submissive void. Choice is ubiquitous. Phones are platforms that launch every half-thought. There is Google from outer space if you need it. Caress like rosary beads. The precious devices are born heads down, relentlessly monitored and prioritized. Their dominant theme is the self, me, my needs. Riefenstahl's submissive void is today's digital slavery. Uh, we all put together that little bit there. And then he goes into the, the new idea of uh, how you can go into it all. The ultimate means of social control is you're wired into everything. And it's through the airways because it's voluntary. You don't, you're not being forced to use this stuff. But it's addictive. It's meant to be addictive. And it's shrouded in illusions of her personal freedom. Now it's going to monitor you all. Of course, it is already monitoring you. And it's not freedom at all. It's a horror show coming along. And folk are capitulating just like you would not believe. Because most folk, again, go through life, even before the digital era, in a, in a trance-like state at times, almost a daydream. So much of their thought is a daydream. And children especially, you can see in children, if they're staring at the TV or something, or and the mouth's open and they've got this blank stare now because they're, they're, it's a semi-hypnotic stare you're looking at. They're under a, under a, a spell and, uh, it's a form of relaxation for the child. If you remember you're a child and you had, you could do that yourself and you realize, oh, I've never been there for the last few minutes. It's, it's kind of nice and but that's what it is. 
but you go into this stage today or the state today, you can get put into quite easily. And most folk go through their lives living in fiction, which they soak up like never before. There's so much of it. Entertainment. And bits and bytes, they call, I call it bits and bytes of information that don't really tell you in depth any particular subject or anything's really happening. But you, you're given what you think is, is a, 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 a taste, a whiff of what it's supposed to be about through the headlines. And that's what most folk read, you know. Why do you think they have pictures of people with the headline? I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like Justin Trudeau in Canada. Why do you need his face next to every, every topic about what the government's doing? You see, you don't need his face. It's Big Brother you're seeing. That's the only reason it's there. You know what he looks like already. And it's from stock photographs. They could use the same one or one from a group of sittings, as you call it, uh, for, for, for a hundred or two hundred uh, stories on whatever Canada's doing or whatever. It's Big Brother. That, that's what George Orwell was getting to. It wasn't just his, the, you seeing it plastered all over the streets and so on of Big Brother. And then you're, when you lived, you're seeing Big Brother in your homes all the time when you look at these articles. There's, there's their faces staring at you, you know. You don't need these faces. And getting back to Miss Tam with her bracelets and stuff for, for tracking you and all the rest. Electronic bracelets, eh? Uh, never mind all the other apps they want you to take too to monitor you, yada yada. But uh, it's the same thing there with the bracelets. I mean, why not just give you a bell around your neck like leprosy, like they used to do? This is the same stigmatizing of, of segments of society. This is what this is, folks. And the behaviorist teams are working hard to put you stigmatized. Oh my God, you know, you're... It's almost like you're an anti-Semite or a Holocaust denier or anti-vaxxer. You had all these anti-anti things they come out with. They've already trained the public to, to, to recoil when they hear the words. And they keep adapting them and adopting them into new terms as they stigmatize segments of society here. That's what it is. That's what fascism always does. You stigmatize different segments of society that won't comply or give in to you. Standard stuff. But yeah, just put a bell around their necks and they, you know, and, and they can, they can beware, beware, clang, clang, beware, you know. Oh. There you go. <laughs> Bracelets, eh? Manacles. Uh-uh. And you haven't committed any crime, eh? And of course, Google's got a big hand in it, and another company too. But Google, the, the big alphabet agency grouping, that's, that's totally CIA, MI6 from the beginning. And they, they do own huge corporations, real corporations, they all do. The military industrial complex, eh? There you go. And by God, it says the city says the registration is free. Oh, well then, eh? And it's protected and only used by CDPH for public health purpose related to COVID-19. You can believe them, eh? <laughs> so anyways, partnership with Google and NASDAQ, Google, it says, an IT company, MTX, be used to collect data about the viruses spread and those that are seeking care, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's all to do with help, help, help. He's that word everywhere, helping, helping. Yeah. The 77th Brigade, again, I told you, the one, the big, big cyber units that we've got for hammering anybody for warfare. And it's all you folks, if you think for yourselves. And if you dare speak, you know, for yourself. 
the 77th Brigade, that's what they call it's British military waging an information war on its own population. No, they'd never do that. Not Britain, no. Landed the, landed the free and all that. And liberty. And Britain will never ever, you know, there'll be slaves and stuff like that. Yep. It's all, it's all in the songs, eh? So last Wednesday during the daily UK government coronavirus live stream, right? And it's got a link to it. The head of the British Army, General Sir Nick Carter, bragged. This is what he said, right? Uh, on the daily TV show, I guess it was. We've been involved with the Cabinet Office Rapid Response Unit with our 77th Brigade helping to quash rumours from misinformation but also to counter disinformation between three and 4,000 of our people have been involved with around 20,000 available the whole time at high readiness. So they've got 24,000 altogether really on the go. If you wonder why all these fake things are getting hammered with stories with nasty things, it's all from these different uh, little, I, wouldn't even, I don't want to say the word on it, <laughs> but you know what they are. That they get paid to hammer their fellow people. Unfortunately, in totalitarian societies, they do pay these characters well. That's what uh, Stalin said the same thing. He said, well, was pay our teachers, our police, and our military very well. He said, yeah. So then it says, to understand the implication of the statement, we have to go back to 2018 when Carter gave a speech to the Royal United Services Institute. In our 77th Brigade, he says, we have got some remarkable talent when it comes to social media, production, design, and indeed Arabic poetry. Those sorts of scales we can't afford to retain in the regular component, but they are the means of us delivering capability in a much more imaginative way than we might have been able to do in the past, he says. It was previously known as the Security Assistance Group. 77th Brigade was stood up in 2015 as part of Army 2020 and Security Assistant Group had been established following the amalgamation of the Media Operations Group, see? <laughs> the 15 Psychological Operations Group. You're hearing me here. This is, this, uh, this is official. Right? What I'm reading here is official from their own stuff. I'll say it again for the harder thinking. It says... The Security Assistance Group had been established following the amalgamation of the Media Operations Group, 15 Psychological Operations Group, Security Capability Building Team and the Military Stabilization and Support Group. The 77th Brigade is described on their website, with a link there for that too, as being about information and outreach. But what does that mean, General Carter again says, we also, though, need to continue to improve our ability to fight on this new battlefield, and I think it's important that we build on the excellent foundation we've created for informational warfare through our 77th Brigade, which is now giving us the capability to compete in the war of narratives at a tactical level. There you go. It is in this context that Carter's words from last week's live stream should be viewed. Carter has acknowledged that the British military is waging war on a section of its own population and also outside, including Canada and Australia, by the way. Carter mentioned working with the Cabinet Office's Rapid Response Unit, link is here too, established in April 2008 and also known as the Fake News Unit. 
the rapid response unit was given an initial six months funding and brought together a team of analysts, data scientists and media and digital experts armed with cutting edge edge software to work around the clock to monitor online breaking news stories and social media discussion. That's all the chit chat about you lot. And they can intercede and hit you with sock puppets and crash you if they want to or shame you. You think, oh, the folk hate me, my God. What the yada yada yada. This is your free society. Eh? According to RRU's head, Alex Aitken, it says, the unit's round-the-clock monitoring service has identified several stories of concern during the pilot, ranging from the chemical weapons attack in Syria to domestic stories relating to the NHS and crime. For example, following the Syria airstrikes, the unit identified that a number of false narratives from alternative news sources were gaining traction online. These alt-news sources are biased and rely on sensationalism rather than facts to pique readers' interests. In other words, when you realize that your countries are setting up or keeping hammering Syria with, with, and with fake stories to, in order to bomb them, uh, they go after you uh, as in total warfare. Anyway, it says, due to the way that search engine algorithms work, when people search for information on the strikes, these unreliable sources were appearing above official UK government information. That's because no one believes UK government information. <laughs> In fact, no government information was appearing on the first 15 pages of Google results. We know that search is an excellent indicator of intention. It can reflect bias and information received from elsewhere. Yeah, it's astonishing how the public want to know the truth, eh? rather than this gets uh, their biased information from the military. The obvious is always into information warfare and propagandas and demonizing an enemy or potential enemy. They don't want anybody asking real questions like, why are we doing this? The unit therefore ensured that those using search terms that indicate bias, such as false flag, right? Terms, this is all terminology, were presented with factual information on the UK's response. The RRU improved the ranking from below 200 to number 1 within a matter of hours. So there you go. They can do it to anything on the internet. It was given permanent funding in February 2019. And three months following the establishment of the rapid response unit, Theresa May attended the G7 summit in Quebec, Canada, and she announced there the establishment of a new rapid response mechanism following Britain's proposal for a new, more formalized approach to tackling foreign interference across the G7 at the G7 foreign ministers meeting the previous month. Ah, it's never ending, eh? Never ending. And I can remember the war before it started for the internet, a long time ago. And I wasn't on it, you know. I knew it was for, it was going to collect all your data and it was for profiling you and keeping like daily accurate information on all of you. And updating it, you'd, you'd help it update by putting all the information out there yourself, and they add it to the virtual use, and they added the stories too, where the Pentagon was was admitting to using war games on you, virtual use, uh, and by collecting all the data on you, they'd have you in a war situation or a social situation with conflicts in the social settings. And it was all done virtually to see how you would respond, and they said it was pretty accurate. They believe that's how you would respond if these things happened in real life. That's your free society for you. You buy your chains and you, and you buy the, you, you, you gladly go on the web, eh? You, you, you know, <laughs> it's quite amazing. The web, you're stuck on the web. And along comes a big spider and gobbles you up, eh? Quite something.